Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Uh, it's a two-part message, and uh, today I'm, I'm gonna, there's going to be a little twist in there uh, as we get through Galatians chapter 6, so I'm just warning you ahead of time. I did change the sermon title. I felt like um, if Jesus was going to say something, today the message would be this. Uh, to you who are burdened, weary, and heavy laden. Stefan, if you could put up that Facebook picture. How many of you are on Facebook? Uh, a wonderful forum to learn a lot of things. And uh, being on Facebook, this is uh, something that I uh, found on Facebook. You'll probably read it faster than I will, but I'll read it anyway, because if you're like me and you're standing where James Park is, I, I cannot see this. I need glasses. But it's basically a sign, and it says, Breaking news. The pity train has just derailed at the intersection of suck it up and move on and crashed into we all have problems before coming to a complete stop at get the heck over it. Any complaints about how we operate can be forwarded to 1-800-WAH-WAH. This is Dr. Sniffle reporting live from Quit Your Fussin'. If you like this, repost it on and on. Uh, If you don't like it, suck it up, cupcake. Life doesn't revolve around you. How many of you resonate with that? And what I mean by resonating with that, when you read that, you think, man, that is so right on. That says it all. I am tired of people complaining about how bad they have it when they don't realize how good they have it. It's like when the parents say to the kids, finish your food, finish your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner, whatever it is, because there are starving kids in Africa that would love to have that food. So suck it up if you don't like it. This isn't a restaurant. Eat your food. And then, of course, in my family, we have the obligatory smart aleck who says, then why don't you send it to them? But that's another story. This is the church, though, in some ways. Because when we come to church, what are we supposed to be like? Perfect. Not supposed to have problems. If you do have problems, praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Keep going, man. Because that is God and we are to reflect God and we are to reveal God. And if you're going to sit there and you're going to struggle, you just don't get God. So suck it up, brother. Suck it up, sister, and move on and praise the Lord. Now, again, a lot of us will resonate that when I see that and and you can put it down, Stefan. When I see that, I think to myself, if you challenge me with that, I will do my best to prove that I am not a cupcake. But there are a lot of people who come to church. And they look at that and they say, that is the church. That's what y'all expect of me. I will play the game, but I can't do it in my heart. I am beaten down. I am. I'm ready to quit, but I'm not going to tell you. And the reason I'm not going to tell you, because you all expect me to be perfect. You expect me to praise the Lord in the midst of my struggles, which I believe scripture does. But you expect me to do it all the time and be happy. Minimizing what I'm going through. Pushing it aside and telling me just to suck it up. Let's read Galatians chapter six. Paul writes, brothers. If someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. 
But watch yourself, for you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And skipping down to verse 5, for each one should carry his own load. What's the context of Galatians? Galatians is a book that tells us that keeping the law does not save a person. Salvation, redemption, justification, sanctification, glorification, it all comes through believing in Jesus Christ. Paul's desire for the Galatians is that they would continue to follow Jesus, that they would live by faith, that they would let the Holy Spirit control them, as it talks about in Galatians chapter 5, that the fruit of the Spirit would be manifest in their lives, and that ultimately they would be Spirit-filled believers. The message of Galatians is to remember that the gospel ultimately is not about a plan, but it is about a person. About a person, Galatians 2.20, Christ lives in me. Not a plan, but it is Christ who lives in me. It is the Holy Spirit's fruits. So the gospel is, is about a person, not a plan. That's the general context. But here in the immediate context of chapter 6, what Paul is going to launch into is a discussion about the life of the Christian. It is a life controlled by the Spirit. It is a life of grace and love as described in the law of Christ which is ultimately the law of love, as he talks about in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. But let's look at the verses. What does he say? Depending on your version, it says brothers and sisters. So Paul is speaking to a believing community. He's speaking to the church. He's not speaking to people outside the church, but he's actually speaking to the Galatians. And he's saying, listen, family. He's saying family, brothers and sisters, not friends, but family. Listen, family. There are in your midst some who are caught in a sin. There are some in your midst who are caught in a sin. The idea here is that if someone who has stumbled into a sin, they are caught in an act or they are caught in an addiction or a habit or a process or whatever you want to call it. But whatever it is, in the midst of their weakness, they have stumbled into it and they are caught. They are trapped. If you can imagine the the picture of some animal in a trap and uh, they're unable to move, they're unable to get out. It can be one of those little things that you put the raccoons in when you get them and they slip in there and then you take them somewhere else. Or you can imagine a bear caught caught in that uh, trap on their foot. But whatever it is, there is someone in your midst, brothers and sisters, who is weak and they are caught in sin. They are trapped. They are addicted. You must understand that. But he goes on and he says, you should gently restore them. And the idea here is it is a process. When he says you must gently restore them, he doesn't say, hey, come up to them and say, listen, I know you're caught. I know that you're struggling. I know that you're having a hard time. Let me pray for you this one time and you will be better. But the tense that Paul is using here is saying, listen, restore them continually. And then when they are healthy, you can move on. But that's for next week. But that's the idea. There are weak people in the midst of your church who are caught in sin, who are trapped, who cannot get out. And I don't want you to just come up to them and say, listen, suck it up. Get over it. It's not about you. It's about Jesus, brother, sister, 
I will pray for you, and then let's move on. Okay? You got that? That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying in the midst of this process in which they are caught in this sin, stick with them and restore them gently. How so? He says, carry each other's burdens. Can you guys, let's flip through these. Here's a couple cool pictures about burdens. I think Pastor Dave actually used one of these in the past. Do you guys remember that one? That's the idea of a, of a burden. Man, that's a burden. Uh, there's another sense of a burden. Weighed down, heavy. I, I can't go on. Uh, another burden that is heavy. This one, almost like Greek mythology. But if you notice, they're not pushing forward. They're actually backwards. And what that means is I'm ready to tumble down, man. This rock is going to come down on me, and I am just hanging on. That's my interpretation. If you took this picture and I'm wrong, I apologize. But that's what art is, right? Make up your own interpretations. And uh, this is not a Chia pet that looks like a truck, uh, but it is a truck that is overwhelmed and burdened. Paul says to them, listen, carry each other's burdens. There are some of you that are weak in your church. They are caught. They are trapped. They are struggling. And what you are to do is to restore them gently, carry their burdens until you are able to unload that burden. You are to stick with them. And if you do this, what do you do? In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love. It's love. Slip down to verse 5 as we continue along with the context just to get the idea here. Verse 5 says, For each one should carry his own load or burden. Now, which sounds kind of strange, and I have two of these. It is not this kind of burden, the idea of a backpack. Dora. Because that backpack, he just does everything by himself, and he carries a little map, and they go on their journey. But it's more like this. What he's saying is this. In your church, and this is true of our church, it's quite simple. There are some of you that are strong. You are mature followers of Christ. Troubles come. You are able to absorb them. You are able to embrace them. And through Christ's strength, you are able to overcome them. Good job. That is great. Keep it up. Keep pressing on. But there are those in your midst who are not able to do so. When those trials and troubles come, they are overwhelmed. They are overburdened. They are ready to drop. They are ready to quit. And even if they are in our midst, they may sing just as loud as everyone else. Say the right words that they're supposed to say when they pray or they're in a small group. But on the inside, they are struggling. Now, they may be afraid. They may be ashamed. They may be embarrassed. They can't say it because if they do, everyone's going to go, no way. You can't do that. You must praise God. Paul is saying it's outrageous, or at least I think he is. Because the reason he is telling them to, through a process, restore them gently and to carry that burden until it is loosened in Christ, takes a long time sometimes. So it's not an easy answer to just say, believe in Jesus and it will all be good. What I really think Paul is saying here, very clearly in the context, he is speaking to the mature, stronger Christian, and he is saying, walk with your weaker brother and sister. Come hell or high water, through thick and thin, and stick with them. 
because they are weak now. One day you may be weak. And hopefully and prayerfully, they will come alongside of you and help you carry your burden. But understand you who are strong, which is the focus of this passage. Stick with the weak. The bottom line is this. Ultimately, the focus completely is on the strong. But I'm going to apply it differently. Here's why. As I was thinking about this message, I've been thinking about it for about six weeks now. And I think it was on Wednesday or Thursday, I started thinking to myself, what is the father heart of God? What is the mind of Christ? I mean, if God is God and he wrote Galatians chapter six, he wanted to communicate a message to the strong and mature. But maybe perhaps underlying all of this is that the father heart of God or the mind of Christ also has a focus on those who are weak. So yes, this message is primarily for the strong, but I think there is is something underneath that speaks to the weak, and it's this. And here's the first thing that I think it is. It is God knows that weakness exists in the church. Specifically, he not only knows your weakness, but he also knows the extent of your weakness. In other words, as you are crying out in your heart saying, God, I am weak, I desire to quit I desire to give up. He knows that. And he knows that because he inspired Paul to write to the strong to tell them when you see the weak, get alongside of them and help them. Romans chapter 15 verse 1 says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. Paul also writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 14, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, Warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. He's speaking to the strong, but I also believe he's speaking to the weak. He is telling the weak, I know that you are weak. I know how far your weakness has debilitated you. I get that. I understand that. I know, I understand completely. Paul has written this to give you the sense that weakness can happen in the church. And when it does, the strong are not to stand in judgment, but they are to come alongside and carry that burden. So if you're sitting here today and you're saying, I am weak, it's okay. It is what God has planned for. It is what God understands that weakness exists in the church. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I'm going to say weakness exists in this church. And God knows the extent of that weakness. It may be on a large scale. It may be on a small scale. I don't know everyone, but I know God does. And I know God is not surprised by weakness, but rather he expected it, planned for it, And worked on those who are strong that they might walk with the weak. Here's another thing. Not only does he know our weakness. Not only does he know the extent of our weakness. But he does not excuse our weakness. Now that sounds a little bit contradictory. But let me explain this. When they brought the adulterous woman before Jesus. And they were ready to kill her. And after Jesus said his famous words. 
Let him without sin cast the first stone. And those dudes all took off. Because really, that's kind of the passage that Paul would be addressing, those group of people saying, listen, you're supposed to restore someone gently who's caught in sin, sin instead of trying to stone them. When all had fled, what did Jesus say? He didn't say, you know what? I extravagantly love you. I unconditionally love you. Have a good day. He didn't say that. He knew her weakness. He knew her pain, her struggle, and all the things that would have caused that affair. What did he say? He said, go and sin no more. So God knows that you are struggling in the midst of your weakness. He understands the extent of that. But it is not excuse or reason to just give up. Why? And I'm going to give you three things. Because I think ultimately this is where the passage leads us to. Three things. And they're this. I'll read them for you really quickly. Admit your weakness. Surrender. Get help now. Pastor Dave, a few weeks ago at staff meeting said, um, for the youth group retreat, you guys should get a speaker. And I was thinking I was just going to do the speaking because, you know, you, you could save the church money. It's a beautiful thing if you save money, right? He said, well, you know, don't worry about it. It's a retreat. I mean, this is an experience that you, you these kids come together, bring someone in who's a good speaker instead of you. And, uh, and uh, <clears throat> you know, just, just get somebody in there just to minister to the kids. And then you can be there and you can be pastoral and all that other stuff and learn how to preach. In the midst of all of that. In my mind, a friend that I knew at the Chinese church popped into mind. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to ask him because he does youth ministry and he's really good with youth ministry. And uh, I haven't seen him in like a year and a half, two years, and I kind of miss him. So uh, I went on his Facebook page. You know, some of us obviously have a Facebook addiction. And we get rude notes from people like Benson telling us how the Toronto Blue Jays are doing and nobody cares. And uh, I went on his Facebook page and it was blank, which is unusual to me because he's usually like a Facebook fanatic takes a lot of pictures of his youth group and all that stuff. And I was really like, what's going on here? And you know, I have pirate language in my Facebook and it says cast a bottle, which for the rest of you probably says send a message or something like that. I don't even know what it is. I've been doing pirate language for so long. And uh, it didn't have the little box where you could uh, cast a bottle. And I was confused. I said, this doesn't make sense. He's got the Facebook page. It's here. It's a little bit blank and I can't set the message. It just doesn't make sense to me. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to send a, uh, a message to, um, his wife, because she's on Facebook too, and I did, and I cast her a bottle, and I said, hey, you know, I'd really like your husband to come speak at our church uh, in June 27th through 29th, and remember, like, this is May, I think it was like May 10th, and I'd really love to see him, really love to have him, and she didn't respond, which I thought was unusual, because she's on Facebook a lot too, and I, I said, this sounded crazy, so you know what, I'm just going to call their church, so I went on the church's Facebook page, and my friend's photo is on there, and she says, wow, that's a pretty good looking picture, and, uh, and then I see, as I read the reading, it's, it says, the memorial for the Antrim family. And I'm like, that kind of doesn't make sense. That his parents died, but his parents are in Ohio. That doesn't make sense to me why they're having a memorial service for this guy. So absolutely confused. So I go to the church's website and I start scrolling down and, I'm, and I see suddenly realizing what has happened is that my friend had died. So where I am trying to reach out to him to have him speak at our youth group, he died. But as I'm reading through the church blog, I'm kind of like, well, okay, did he die of a heart attack? Did he have a stroke? Was he in a car accident? Um, he's a little accident prone. He's been riding bikes and he broke his collarbone once trying to jump over this little river thing. So I figured, you know, something serious happened. But something triggered in me and said, you know, it really seems weird. Why have they not mentioned why this guy died? 
absolutely did not make sense. So I called one of his friends who's at the church here, and uh, he didn't call me, and uh, so uh, because he's busy, busy pastor, and uh, tried to get in connecting with the other pastor that he knows in Iowa, and uh, he didn't answer right away. And I said, you know, this is crazy. I got to find out what's wrong. I- I'd really like this guy to speak at the church, but he's died, and, and I want to know what's happening. And uh, I went uh, and looked at the obituaries, and he'd taken his life. Here's the thing about this, and, and, and here's the thing about all of this, is he took his life because he was weak. Now, when I say that, don't freak out. I'm not saying he's weak. Shame on him for taking his life. He took his life, he's weak. No, he had problems that he couldn't handle, and that made him weak. Not a weak person, because he was a very strong person in many other ways in this area. But instead of coming to someone and saying, I need help, he didn't get any help. And that's where I struggle. Because the troubles that he had would have easily been wiped out if he would have come to someone and said, I have these problems. I am struggling with this. Absolutely what people loved this guy. If you met him, if he would have spoken at our youth group or spoken or whatever the English grammar is, it would have been a very intense and interesting experience. But in his weakness, he didn't admit it. When people went to him, the other pastor there was an Iowa said, listen, I saw your name and it said that you're in bankruptcy court. And his answer was, no, 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 we're refinancing. And sometimes, you know, when you refinance, um, what they do is they put your name there because it sounds kind of funny. So, you know, we're good. Don't worry about us financially, which didn't sit right with the other pastor. He's like, well, if that's what you're going to tell me, I'm going to believe you because we've been together for like 15 years. Why would you lie to me? But he did. And I don't know why he didn't tell people. Because to me, it doesn't make sense. We're family. If you are struggling in the midst of weakness, a family comes together, they surround you, and they say we're with you. So here's the three things I get from just his his, um, experience, my experience with him, is admit your weakness. Listen, what is Paul saying? Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. There are weak people in the church. They exist. I'm going to guess they are here today. Maybe a large portion, maybe not, but they are here. Why not admit your weakness? Now, I'm not saying after the service, everyone come up here and we're all going to stream on up here and that you're going to say, hey, here is my weakness. I just wanted everyone to know. No, I'm not saying that. Come to someone and let them help carry your burden. Don't get me wrong. When I say my friend was weak, I trust me. It hurts to know he is not here. It hurts to know that someone whom I believed was strong and is had a weakness that he could not handle and would not admit to. Why? We are followers of Christ. This, it makes absolutely no sense to me. And we'll see next week, Paul is pointing to those in the church who are full of pride about how great they are and how strong they are. And the weak and the timid sit in the corner afraid that once they step out into the light and say, I am weak, everyone will be around them and say, what? 
How could you? Dude, man, you are a small group leader. You are on the worship team. You're on the welcoming team and you're struggling. There's a lot of weakness. How many of you ever doubt? How many of you sit there and wonder, does God exist at all? I look at my life. I see the struggles that I go through. I listen to all the people around me. What do they say? Oh, God spoke to me about this. And God, this thing, this thing in my life. And there was such a great change. It was such a blessing. And you sit there and say, why doesn't God say anything to me? Why doesn't God do a miracle in my life? Why don't I see that blessing? Why don't I see that change? Why do they seem to get it all and I don't? And to come out and say that, hey, I'm full of doubts. I don't even know if God exists. Everyone, oh, come on, brother, we'll pray for you. Come on, sister, we'll pray for you. Without really getting alongside of them and welcoming. That's why people don't come out. And that's why he didn't come out. Sitting in a small group network pastor's meeting. And one of the guys said, I love my church. One day the senior pastor got up there and he said, dudes, I struggle with pornography. I said, oh, man, dude, you don't say that in front of the whole church. What are you, crazy? Because the Pharisee in me goes, man, you cannot struggle with that. You know, he said, that's why I love my church. Because you know what the church did? They didn't say, you're done. Get out of here. Can't control yourself. We're through with you. Be gone, fool. No, they said, we will come alongside of you and we will walk with you. Why? Because they were fulfilling the law of Christ. They did not look at their hurting brother and say, dude, you should know better. They said, yes, you should know better, but we are going to come alongside you and we will see you restored and get past this. How many of you are struggling in your marriage? You look at your spouse and you go, if that person touches me, I feel a sense of revulsion and disgust. I don't love them. I don't like them. And I wish they'd leave. Tell that to your small group. Right? How would you like to know that someone in your group is struggling with an affair? They would say, in their mind right now, it's not just about fantasy, but I long to be with that other person. I look for ways to be with them. How would we respond? How would we look at that weak brother? How would we look at that weak sister? What would we say in the midst of their weakness? What would we do if someone in our church finally said, you know, and hopefully it's not here, but someone in our church said, you know what? I struggle with an attraction towards a younger generation of people. You know what I mean, right? A church scandal kind of thing. How would we react? Whoa, dude, that's gross. How could you? Now, understand, I am not saying, you know what? Let the person struggle with that. Let's all come around them, sing Kumbaya, and everything will be good. There's a point as family we say, brother, Sister, it's wrong. But you know what? I'm going to come alongside you and I'm going to carry your burden. What you have to do is admit it. I have a problem and this is what it is. And I am laying it before you, whether it's your best friend or it's someone outside the church or whoever. But I am going to get help. Because the second thing that we need to do is what? Surrender. Because the reality is you know it that you cannot do it by yourself. Why does Paul say carry one another's burdens? Does he say it because you've got nothing else to do? 
Or does he say it because, you know what, they can't carry the burden. So they need someone to come alongside of them and say, hey, I will come alongside of you and I will carry this burden with you. They may need two or three different people behind them to help them carry this burden. But that's what Paul's saying is ultimately that weakness exists. Admit that it exists. It is a reality and it's a reality that you cannot do it by yourself because if you could do it by yourself, it already would have been taken care of. Doesn't make you a bad person. Because Paul isn't saying, hey, everybody needs to be perfect. Because he said pretty clearly, everyone is not perfect. And a lot of you are imperfect. And some of you are caught in a sin. You are stuck in what has become an addiction. And you can't get out of it. Just admit it and surrender. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Peter says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. The psalmist said, cast your cares upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Some of you immediately are going, hey, that's cool, man. I don't have to tell anybody, brother. You just said it right there. I just got to turn to God. Come on, really? Really? Because if that's what you heard, you didn't hear correctly. Because you have been turning to God and you're still weak. It does not make you a bad person. It's just you are caught. And what Paul is saying here, the father heart of God, the mind of Christ is find a brother and a sister who will come alongside you and let them be the hands and the feet and the heart of God for you. They're not replacing God. But he has placed us together as a family so that the family comes together and says, we are with you until the end. I do not care what you have done. It is wrong. I'm not going to let you get past that. But I do not care because I'm your family. If my kid comes home and said they've committed some crime and they're going to spend the rest of their life in jail, I'm not going to go, well, it serves you right. You knew it. You did it. And it's time to pay the piper. And if you expect me to visit you at all, forget it, because I'm embarrassed. What kind of father would I be? Now, mind you, I'm not calling parents. You know, like sometimes when you see parents on the news, oh, my my little Johnny, he'd never do that. I, I saw one, unbelievable. The guy went into the diner, has a gun, threatening people. You know, get down, give us your money, we're going to shoot. Some other guy, conceal and carry, pulls out the gun, kills the guy. Okay, and what does the family say? Our little Johnny would never do that. That guy never should have pulled his gun. Really? Their response should have been, you know what? He's messed up. That's wrong. He did something wrong. Okay, but we're not happy. We're not happy he got shot. We're not happy he's dead. It hurts. So I'm not saying, hey, listen, let's all just get together and accept our weaknesses. Yes, I am. But don't leave it at that because God doesn't leave it at that. God doesn't say in the midst of your weakness, man, just let it go. It's all right. It's all good. No, he says in the midst of your weakness, find the strong or mature brother and sister and say, I am weak. I surrender. Help me carry my burden. I cannot. I cannot take another step forward. I will lie down right here and say, I quit. Or I will lie down here in my heart and say, I quit, but I will go through the motions. 
I will sing as loud as anyone else. I will pray as hard as anyone else. I will read my Bible just like anyone else. I will do all those things, but I'm here, baby. And I'm moving. I quit. The third thing to do is then what? Get help now. Get help now. Christians think it is heroic to carry their burdens by themselves. And just me and God, man, me and God. It is not heroic. In fact, one quote said it is actually very stoic to carry our burdens by ourselves. It is not a strength, a sign of strength or fortitude. Instead, actually, I think it is a sign of weakness. It's not an opportunity to say, you know what? Just me and God. God helps each and every one of us through the body of Christ. I would say this. If I could talk to my friend before he took his life, I would say this. It is better to get help now than it is to continue to hurt. Than it is to continue to hurt others. And to continue to live in that. It is not worth it. God has brought a family of people together to walk together through the midst of our deepest, darkest valleys. Whether it is a sin that we are stuck in and are addicted to, or like the term burdens here, any burden, any trial that overwhelms you. Come to the family and say, I am in trouble. Help me now. My desire ultimately in focusing on a different application of this passage is because I think there are many weak people here. And when I say weak, again, don't be offended. I'm not trying to say weak, you're lame, you're terrible, you're rotten, you're horrible. I am not saying that. I'm just saying in the terms of God's word, you are weak, you are ready to quit. Do not quit. Instead, admit. I don't know, is that an OJ thing? Do not quit, just admit. I don't know. No, that's backwards, isn't it? then surrender and get help because my desire is to see people who are walking with each other constantly through the darkness of life carrying them and bringing them to jesus to life because that really seems to me what jesus is all about right when he says come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden it's it's a general statement He should say, you all are weary and heavy laden. And you all need to come to me. But he gives an invitation. He says, you know what? You can come or not. I want you to come. I want you to be here. But if you want to hang out in your fear or your fear of rejection, and you might be. Trust me. You might come and start telling people. And I cannot promise you that when you turn to somebody and say, hey, you know what? I'm struggling with this. They're going to go, oh, well, praise the Lord. I'm glad we talked about that because now I can help you. They might respond and go, whoa, a little too much for me there. I can't handle that. Don't bring that to me. You know what that's saying? Then that person's weak too. And that's okay because you know what? Maybe they should get somebody to help them carry that burden. Right? See how that works? You know, I have a family member. And if he ever caught HIV AIDS, I wouldn't say, hey, you know what, man? You deserve it, brother. And I'm not going to help you. I think God would expect me to be the first one at his door. And the one who stays with him through thick and thin. Not saying, hey, yeah, go ahead, do more, whatever. Say, I am here. Because that 
is the father heart of God. That is the mind of Christ who saw us in our weakness with no way to get out and said, here is my son. You may not be able to carry your cross, but if you're weary and you're burdened and you're heavy laden, you just go to him. and He will help you carry it. And it's not just you and him, but it is the family of God coming together. This restoration is a process. Sometimes it is a long process. It is a lonely process. But the family of God, and we will talk about this next week, how to approach this, must come alongside the weak and help carry their burdens. The tense here actually is a command. Paul is not saying, hey guys, if you got some time, can you carry one another's burdens, please? Pretty please? Sugar on top? Please? No, he's saying, you are the family of God. And I don't want to hear excuses. I don't want to hear reasons. I don't want to hear revulsion. Carry one another's burdens. It is not my command. It is God's command. So when you see that weak brother and sister, whatever they are caught in. Mental, spiritual, sexual, whatever. You come alongside them and help carry their burdens. So today, here's my ask for you who are weak. Stop carrying your burden by yourself. Stop carrying your burden by yourself. It's not doing you any good anyway. It's not. So I keep carrying it. Doesn't make sense. It's like my invitation. Ray, I want you to run into the wall and keep running into that wall until you break through. Does make sense? Stop doing it. What really makes sense is to say, you know what? I can't break through the wall. It is a barrier I cannot overcome. Help me. And then I can say, Ray, here's the door, bro. Make sense? And I think that's God's answer to us. You who are weak, admit it. It's okay. I expect it. That's why I put the strong people in your church so they can help you carry it. And then surrender. Just give up, man. Give up. Quit trying. Ask for help. Get the help now. Let's pray. As we pray, I just want to give you a few moments just to breathe. If you're weak, right now my hope is that you're not thinking, man, I got to do something. Well, yeah, in a way I, ask, I am asking you to do something, and that's just to surrender. I'm not asking you to read another Bible verse or another Bible chapter, or sing another song or what have you. I'm just asking you to surrender to God and the people who are in his family. And you know what? If, if you don't trust this family, You need to go to somebody else and get help from them. I don't think God really cares. And I'll be honest with you, I don't care as long as you're getting help. You can find someone who will help carry your burden. 
give you strength. If you're weak, I want you to find comfort today. Not in my words, because I didn't write Galatians. And I didn't inspire Paul to write Galatians. I hope that you would be able to find freedom and rest in God's word. That he knows your weakness. He knows the extent of your weakness. He understands your weakness. And if you have to drown in weakness, you go right ahead. Because you know what? There's a life preserver out there called the church family. God wants to bring them into your life and carry you. You may come across people who are going to let you down. They may pour out your heart and they may run away. Let them run. Because there are others in God's family that will walk with you. They're here. I know it. God said it. My hope is you realize you may not get the same miracle that somebody else had. One quick drop of the hat and they're all good. Your battle might be a long battle. And unfortunately, your battle might be a lifelong battle. That doesn't mean your family is going to abandon you. Carry that burden with you. Because even the strong can be weak. Even the strong in their weakness can make some huge mistakes. It doesn't take away from them fully. God's people, good people. And I hope today that wherever you're at, weak or strong, that you realize weakness is a reality. And God does have a plan to help you. And it may not be the ending that you so desire. As your family comes along, you'll find the ending that God desires, whatever that may be. And I'll say this. My friend wrote a letter. He wrote five letters. And it seems what he was saying was this. The church will be better. My wife will be better. And my boys will be better without me. Man, was he wrong. And I'll tell you, you may think everyone will be better without you. They will not. It is a lie. It is a lie. And as I listened to the sermon that his pastor gave, going over that, that's what he was saying. It's a lie. If you're in this family, we need you. God did not put you here for no reason at all. There's a reason why you're here. And the simple foundation is because we need you. How? I don't know. But I know that we do. Our Father in heaven, your call to the weak is that they would cast all their cares upon you.
you will sustain us. You'll never let us fall. Your call is for us to come to be with you, a person, and to be with your people, your body, the ones who are to reflect you. May those who are weak here today, whatever the weakness may be, may they find you to be true to your word. May they find that your people will be true to your word. May they find rest in the midst of their burden. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.